All right. Now, as we're gathering ourselves together, and uh, uh, one of the things I want to explain real shortly, we, uh, uh, with our books, if you want to get everything, really, we have a deal where you can get everything, which uh, the value would be almost like $300. But just to be honest, uh, if you get CDs, they take a lot more work, a lot more material. We put it on USB, and so like, we take it down like 60% off because I really want to have influence to change the body of Christ the way they think. And I'm more concerned about people getting information. So for 139, you can get the workbooks, all of our books, and all of our teachings. I did a teaching on son have, sons have keys. And the, the basic line is this. I would put it like this. Uh, you need to receive an inheritance to fulfill your destiny. I don't have time to teach all this, but a lot of, a lot of Christians believe they'll get their inheritance when they get to heaven. Actually, dying takes you out of an inheritance. And actually, somebody has to die for you to receive one. Would you please pick up that inheritance Jesus died to give you? You'll need it on this earth. You don't need it where there's streets of gold. Are you with me? You need it right now. And, and until you see yourself as a son, you'll never ask for an inheritance. You'll just ask for a blessing. A blessing is like a paycheck. It's what you deserve for the work you've done. An inheritance is based on a relationship that he's your father. You cannot really receive an inheritance unless you really see him as a father and you're as a privileged son or privileged daughter. Everybody say, I'm privileged. I'm privileged. To receive. Now, so what that means is, as a son, if your father's the president, you could never hope for the salary of the vice president, but the vice president could never hope for your inheritance. Do you get it? You know, God and Tom Brady a couple years ago had the same problem. Not enough experienced receivers. Explain it to them. You know, one guy ended up in prison for hatred, murder. Another guy walked for a better deal, Walker. Are you with me? Another guy had back problems. You know, the big guy. Bronk, he, yeah. He couldn't keep his authority together. And so Tom Brady is, God can get it to you, but can you receive it? When you're playing football, there's, there's routes where this is the deal. It's sort of like worship. You have to get your hands up before you see the promise coming. Oh, Because if you wait until you see it, it might be too late. Everybody put up your receivers. We're changing from being the achievers to the receivers. Now, this is the deal. After you receive, achieve with it, but don't try to achieve before you receive. Does that make sense? See, and then at the end, God wants to do something so great through you that you would actually have to praise him. And because what, what did Jesus or John the Baptist say? He said, no man can have anything unless it's given to him from heaven. Do you know what's been given to heaven to me to write books? To help you get into your identity. Now my question is. What has been given heaven to you? Because I'm just doing my part of the pie. If everybody does their part of the pie. It will be like the full ministry of Jesus on the earth. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Don't ever think you're, you don't make a difference. If I could put it like this. You say well I don't know if I make that much difference. You do to me. Because if every one of you had not come today. This would be a very boring teaching to me. You may have a wonderful worship team, but if there's nobody out here lifting up their hands, it sort of takes the wind out of their sails. As a matter of fact, if the church gets packed out, it actually helps them to worship better. There, there's something about the synergy. Don't ever think that you can win a Super Bowl if you're not on a team. Let's not be a fan. I'm glad that Joel Osteen preaches on TV, but he has a church. 
In that church, he can touch people, hug people. On TV, you turn him off and on. He will never have a chance to speak into your life in a very personal way or the pastoral team that that, if you went to that church. So being a part of a live fellowship actually challenges you to live in the love you claim to have. And also, you have to be on the team. You know, if you're, if you're on the bench on a team and they win the Super Bowl, you get a ring too. Does that make sense to you? You don't have to be a starter. You get a ring. Why? I was on the winning team. So be a part of a local church. Always be plugged in. Be healthy. And I'm going to tell you why teams are important. Because when your day's not so good, somebody that you know on the team can help bump you forward until you get it together. I actually had one man who looked at me and he said, uh, Dale, I don't have the faith that I can make it. I said, well, use mine until you find yours. I know you'll make it. And after he left, I said, oh, my God, I don't know if he, Jesus, help him make it. He did. You need to be there for somebody when they lose it until they find it again. Now, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to belabor a point, but I want to make sure I cover something here correctly. The fact that the name shrimp does not bother me anymore is not because I've grown. It's because I grew inside. I don't want anyone to take away and say, well, that's easy for you to fight. Do you know what's happening in NFL? They used to have all the big guys be the fullbacks. They're changing it. They're getting the shorter guys. Why? Watch. No, it's not their heart. Their heart that, that's true, but this is the deal. Watching the slow replays, the big guy trying to tackle him is going like this in slow-mo. The shorter guy, while they're doing that, he's going. And as soon as that guy's in the middle of a step going this way, he took two little stutter steps and went that way. And until his foot hits the ground, he cannot change direction. And the other guy's like, he's like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, my. He just cut on me. My foot hasn't hit. Watch it. Little is big in God. And don't ever think you cannot. And so what's happening now, teams are getting smaller guys to be running backs to throw off the big guys who go boom. They do it fast, but in slow motion it shows up. They take three steps to the other guys too. They can change directions and miss a block, a tackle. Because of that, don't ever think that your difference can't actually be your genius. It's just an amazing reality. Okay, so let's go on. Now, how many of you really enjoyed my wife's testimony? Powerful, powerful. And in it, what happens is, because of what she has been through, it's amazing how God will use her to help people break through places, barriers. And, you know, it's, the, the unbelievable part is I never knew her before, and she never even knew I existed which is as famous and as humble as I am, it's hard to believe. <laughs> did, did I mention I was humble? <laughs> I, had a, I had a young man come up to me, and he's he, he just 22 years old, and he came come up to me and said, Pastor, I'm, I just want you to know I'm a very humble man. <laughs> now, between you and me, humility is not a gift to a 22-year-old. <laughs> they just don't. But I appreciate his forward motion. <laughs> But how many of you know that if you have to tell somebody you're humble, you're not, even, you're, you're not even on base one yet? Let me put it this way to you. If you have to tell people you're confident, you've not yet reached it. Confidence is the way you walk. I want to talk about insecurity in light of to make it come into reality in different dimensions. Okay? So... So uh, where's John at that I talked to at the back book table? Where's John? John, if you'd come up here a minute. And uh, uh, is there somebody here that used to be a, a star football player or something like that? Or you were a real jock? I mean, just like, uh, okay, come, yeah, come on up here, Mark. And uh, so this is the deal. And uh, this actually happened at a high school reunion. 
So I want you to stand over here, Mark the doctor. And here's, I'm sorry, John the doctor, Mark the jock. Okay? Now, in this, this is, this is what happened. High school reunion, they're talking. This is what the doctor says. You know, I always felt like this actually happened. And then I'm going to go to my story. I just thought of this. And he said, you know, I don't feel like Mark ever liked me because I was sort of a nerd. And I just never felt accepted. And another friend said, you know, I was talking to Mark and he said he felt like I was never smart enough or good enough. And they both had their own genius, but they were both sinking in fears of the most popular guy, the smartest guy in the class, but they felt like they didn't have, they both were feeling like the other person didn't approve of them. And this is 25 years later. They finally found out they both had the same disease. In the middle of all their success, what they really wanted was the approval of what they weren't. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to use you, Josh. Come up here a minute. You're pretty athletic. I am. You, he, is, he says that. And humble. And humble. He, I appreciate those. I, it feels like family, you know. <laughs> so, so now this is, the, this is how insecurity works, okay? If I bring Josh around Mark and... Uh, what, did, what, what sport did you play? Football. Football. I played basketball. What did you do? Lacrosse. Lacrosse. And every Okay. It's, if you can't play football. If you can't. Oh, okay, okay. Here, here, here. Your mom wouldn't let you. Yeah, you know what my father, you know what my father, here, stand over there beside him, look out there. You know what my father said? My, we, had, we had a small town and we got a football team and, and I was still shrimp and I wanted to play football and my father looked at me and said, Dale, I want you to live. <laughs> it was actually wisdom. <laughs> I got hit by one of my friends. And when he hit me, I was looking at the sky, trying to catch my breath. My dad was right. I should not play football. Man, a guy hit me. He was on our team. He went to my church. He could pick up, this guy could pick up half a cow and hang it in a butcher shop. It took three guys to put him down. He hit me, and I was shrimp laying on the ground. I'll never play football again. <laughs> My dad was right. Okay, so Josh is very comfortable. We're sitting here talking about foot sports. So what I'm saying to you, when you're in your comfort zone, there's a lot of security. But if I move over here, and Josh, how did you do in school? Okay. Straight A student? No. Okay. When I was little. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you did not make straight A's. Uh, you, did you make straight A's? A few. <laughs> I didn't say he was a good doctor. Okay. I have another story, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Now, now, but you made a lot of A's. Yes. Okay. I, he's being humble, okay. Because this is the deal. My uncle was an ear, nose, and throat specialist. People would come from 500 miles around to have him operate. He would pray for people in Muslim countries, see people healed. One time they were going to shut him down. And he said, well, if you won't let us pray for people because people were getting saved, he said, we won't operate on anybody. There was a line of people out there, Muslim. And the reason they let him come through was because they didn't want the Muslims to ride on the Muslim officials. Too many people were getting healed before the medical, but the medical was also healing. And he, was, he could speak 13 different languages. His younger brother, who's a general physician, who's actually coming through with breakthrough, uh, he knew about blood thinners 15 years before they started doing it for heart attack patients. He's been working on Lyme's disease. He's nine years older than me, and uh, he is treating people. Uh, but when I was 11 years old, he took me up and showed me a cadaver at the Temple University. I fell backwards and said, I'll not be a doctor. And because of that little place, I'm now a pastor. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, so I was around. Now, 
as we start talking about medical things, and my uncle would, and if he was starting to, Josh could all of a sudden feel a little bit insecure because he's in an area he didn't do well. And uh, especially if they went to the same school and, and John knew that he had to take summer school in sixth grade to get to seventh. What I'm saying is, if you get outside of your genre, that's when insecurity will attack you the greatest. But if Josh really knows who he is in the Lord, let's say that John is not saved. John's not looking at him thinking, you're not a medical student. Because it came easy to him, I mean, he had to work. But the thing is, he, he might still need something John uh, that, I'm sorry, Josh has. These are two J's getting too close. That Josh has, but if Josh is intimidated by his medical practice, he will not minister but he'll only minister to people that he feels comfortable with that are equal to him or less. Which means he's living in a competitive, insecure view, but his confidence in this area is actually based on superiority or likeness, not on who he is in God. Does that make sense to you? So, some of you could feel very secure in your identity, but if the Lord pushes you into your future, you're going to have to find him in a new way. What are you going to do when you stand in front of a billionaire who looks at you and says, well, what have you accomplished in life? And he's not being ugly. He just, what's your accomplishments? Are you going to have to prove how much you've made and done, are you going to talk about the peace you have that he doesn't, the anointing you have that he wants, the authority he sees in your eyes that he does not have. He hides behind his money and you hide in God. And there's a huge difference. He knows it, but you don't know it as much as he does. I know a man who's a multimillionaire. He goes and shoots with some of the doves and birds with some of the richest people in the world. Billionaires. And when they get alone and start shooting, they all want to talk to him about God, not about money. People don't want to talk about what they have. They talk about what they don't have. Do you remember that the little girl that said to Naaman, who was probably conquered, probably his people killed her parents, could have happened. And she just looks at him and says, I know where you can get healed. She was not a servant girl after he came back healed. But she never let her situation steal her voice. If you can only minister to people that are equal to you or beneath you, you can't really serve God's kingdom, but a partial way. You have to be a place where you, you, you celebrate people's accomplishment, but you're never intimidated by them. You're never intimidated by what you haven't accomplished. You're still growing in his genius. And the bottom line is I'm walking my race before God, not before you. And the value of each person is that Jesus died for all of them. Because sin took them from winners to losers. And God wants to have them born again. Does that make sense? And when you have life, you have something that rarely visits Hollywood. They have looks and empty eyes. They're the cutest couples trying to find love that we already have. Don't be impressed. Do you know in Hollywood, if you're married over 10 years, it's a miracle? I, I mean, just... And they make movies on love and, and they can't even live it. I want you to think about this. How many know who Liz Taylor is? 
You know what I call her in my mind? How many times was she, she's dead now, but how many times was she married? Hey, you know, she never really lived with anybody, so to speak. She got married over and over. She was trying to live the dream because she kept believing. I mean, how many know after five marriages you think you quit? She's still believing for the dream. I wish some of you would be that on your dream that you could get past several disappointments to believe there could be something that come to pass. Do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes, do, do you know this is a fact? All millionaires today, 80% is new money. Paid, let's clap for these underpaid actors, okay. 80% is all new money. You know what that tells me? The millionaires that gave their money to their kids, 80% of them lost it. You know what? If you don't get it, you don't store it. There's a sense of entitlement that brings demise. Of the 80% new millionaires, which not it, with inflation, that's not that big of a deal anymore, to be honest. Most of them have gone average bankrupt three times. You know what that tells me? They weren't the smartest. They were the least that would quit. They were the unquitters. Church, I pray you get the heart of a millionaire. I don't care what failed. Will you try again? Will you try in a different way? Will you try again? Relationships, try again. Try in a different way. Try again. Believe you're going to win. You just don't know how, but you know you were created to do more. You're willing to risk it. You're willing to go after it. You're willing to do it. Now, I'm going to just tell you what I believe, and you can, you can look at this in many different ways. First of all, just to make everybody happy, I want to give you a picture of what I feel God does in people's life. I really believe that God has people collective experiences for their final purpose and destiny. I, I believe this with all of my heart, uh, that Donald Trump was not created to be a billionaire. He was created to be a president. But God gave him billions so he could deal with money. God gave him real estate building so he could build in a nation. God gave him social media so he could communicate. Am I saying that everything Donald Trump does is God? No. His tweeter needs to get saved. His, he can be, see the problem is he's not a politician. Now I want to go, I want to go a little bit further. That in this, I'm not, I'm not putting a stamp on everything. I want to go backwards a minute. I think one of the greatest things that happened in this nation was that we had a black president, Obama. It broke something in the spirit. I wished it would not have been him. I wished it would have been the other guy that was a surgeon. Ben Carson. But I'm going to tell you, if Ben Carson would have been president we would have never gotten Trump. Actually, Obama said, I pushed too far and I opened up the door for Trump. So I thank God for Obama. I thank God for Trump. I thank God that God moves through different parties in different ways. You hear what I'm saying? And I pray for all of them. I prayed for Obama. I prayed for Trump. I believe that God has a way of making things come together. Now, I will say this to you, that when it comes to pastors and government, it, there's a harsher judgment because when you rule, you have more to do. Now, when I'm saying that about Trump, I want to go back to Joseph, but I, want, I just want you to say, I had a dream, and in this dream, I laid my hands on President Trump, and he fell, I, and I, this is what I prayed in the dream. I said, I want to pray for you to have the heart of David. I said, would you let me? He nodded his head. 
And I put my hand on him and he fell under the power of God. Which tells me that maybe God's creating it in him. Maybe someday I'm going to pray it. Maybe I'm praying for him right now every time I tell this story. I'm believing God to put a heart of David. I want to say this. I believe nothing would bring Donald Trump to the, his knees to need the Lord outside of being president. He was so popular, so rich, and what he's found is he has found the Christians to be life to him. There are more prayer meetings going on. I know more people, things that are happening behind the scenes, that God's really working on him and working through him. I mean, the first president to be in March for Life. I mean, good figure. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and that doesn't give him a buy, you know. I, I don't like it when he calls people stupid or names and that stuff, you know. But, you know, if we'd had a nice Christian, they would have never messed up the politics or shook, shaken it up. Kim Clement prophesied, going to be a hot-blooded president. They'll say impeach, 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 but they won't. So that meant they had to. Because he prophesied it. He just said it won't work. And actually, if you really look at it, I think in the end, it'll go down in history, the impeachment helping win. How many know we're living in a very prophetic decade? Now, this is the part. I'm using these natural people. I could use Joseph. But what I want you to know is this. I, in my David book, I know some people that go up to pray, but I wrote a little letter to him. And I said, you weren't created to be a billionaire, a real estate mongrel, a social media guy, whatever I wrote. But I said, you were created to be the president of a nation. You can hear it when he was interviewed at 35. It's coming out of him. Are you with me? What do you keep talking about? What keeps coming out of you when people say, what would you like to do? What would you like to dream? Do you know when Clinton shook the hand of John F. Kennedy, a dream in him to be president was released. Do you know who you meet shakes up your identity? Also, who you meet can close it down. I like what you said about somebody giving you a compliment and then they steal and lie about your future. And they try to freeze you in a certain season instead of letting you shift. Don't you ever let a, a, a season define you. Do you know David could have cut a lot of music albums and been a successful musician and missed his goal? The most important thing David did was not worship, but it, but it was to restore worship in Israel. Does that make sense? You follow what I'm saying? Now, I want to I I tag this down. I want to just check. When did we take lunch? 1230. Okay. Because this is, this is part of the deal. I'm, I want to do something for all of you before we do like an activation, but it's a little different kind of deliverance. And we're going to do that before we do. I want to make sure I have enough time. So I have about 15 minutes before we do this to really empower you for your next season. So um, I want to think how I want to go at this. The clarity of your identity will cause you to make the right decisions. The more you know who you are, you'll stand in the right line. Does that make sense to you? And you look for the right assignments. You believe for your window of opportunity because this is what I was born for. I want you to say, this is what I was born for. You have to understand that when God created Jeremiah, he said, I made you a prophet in your mother's womb. Before you knew how to speak, I saw you speaking to nations. Do you know why Jeremiah had to go all the way back? Because he was known as the weeping prophet that actually he would not be received, but he would take even a piece of, of he would, as a city was under siege, God would command him to buy the land, make a document, put it in the ground 
so that it would belong to Israel forever beyond the besiegement and there would actually be recorded that it belonged to Israel. Now, who buys land under besiegement? Prophetic people. Wherever you've been besieged, you need to start buying land. Wherever the enemy started to try to push you back. And some of you may look at me and say, well, Dale, you look like you've had a pretty smooth life. I mean, look at you. You're ministering, you're traveling, you're doing this. And, and you say, well, I'd like to have that ministry. I say, well, would you like to have my journey? Let me talk about my journey. I have it in my book, but I didn't say everything. So at 30 years old, I take over the church. That's my father's. And uh, we, we were Mennonites, just got into the Holy Spirit. Every year, though it bothered me, there was always a church split. And my father was a very successful businessman, but he really didn't want to be a pastor. But they, he was a natural leader, healings. And there were some things in my father that I found out were between him and God that really weren't where it needed to be. I didn't know that too. And that's why the church would grow and then split. And, and there was problems. And, and my father was not a, uh, he was not a, uh, he was sort of like, a, he was not a confronter. I mean, he, well, he'd do this. I remember one time we're sitting there and he calls this couple in. I'm, I'm the assistant pastor. And he says, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and it was all true. And he said, uh, and this needs to change. And then he stood up and looked at me and said, Dale, you finish up. And he walked out the door. And I was like a deer, like, which way do I run? I mean, I didn't know. But, but what I realized was, because I saw my father as always very dominant, very loud, what I realized was after he was loud, he didn't have the confidence to follow up. Does that make sense to you? And, uh, and, and, my, uh, and my dad's in heaven. He's doing well. And, 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 uh, but what happened is about a year and a half, the church had kept splitting is now it's growing. It doubled in six months. We were the fastest growing church in our town. And my father had a nervous breakdown because he got jealous. He started telling people to leave my church. Do you want to talk about pain? Do you want to talk about identity? You want to talk about finding? So when I wrote that book, it was not out of the wonderful life I've had. It was about when I was wondering if I was in the right place. Uh, my wife, who had been abused by her father, who had looked up to my father, is now weeping as I'm driving to church, crying on the verge of a nervous breakdown because he was saying, well, you know, those rings she got in Mexico, witchcraft, that's why the worship in there, you should just leave. And we looked at the rings, we couldn't, how many of you know you get real spiritual and goofy and, you know, and, People do things like, you know, God isn't moving because we need to put the chairs in a circle or we need to do this here. Or... I remember when they were buying carpet. I mean, I, my dad was very amazing, but he was actually the son of an orphan. That's a fact. I'm a grandson of an orphan. We didn't have any history on that side of our family. The rejection among my uncles and aunts is so deep, all highly successful millionaires, doctors, nurses, best you could find with no confidence in their person outside of those that came into the Holy Spirit. Very, very wounded. You know, my grandfather, when he was put out, shunned by the Amish, then shunned by the Mennonites because, well, shunned by the Amish, he, he had a pickup hiding in his garage. I mean, you ain't getting away with that. <laughs> In the barn, in the barn. We didn't have garages. You're Amish, you know. So, and then, so a little bit of rebel there, you know. Still a little bit in me. Help me, Jesus. Anyway, so, so anyway, so through all of this, what happens is, through the whole thing is, I went from being a very celebrated son to where after the thing split up, my father, I said, listen, Dad, I'll, I'll just give you the church back. Because I know I'm supposed to pastor, but I don't have to do it now. And on the Sunday of my resignation, my wife and I were driving to church happy. And, and I call up my dad. I said, you know, what do you want to do with the offering? You know, 
a lot of integrity. So, yeah, we'll give it to this missionary. It's actually the guy who had the dream that I should be the pastor who made me sign in the front of my book, the Bible. He said, uh, you will obey God no matter how your family sees you. Why would I write that? We're the happiest family in the world. Sure, no problem. I always put God above my family. And uh, part of the pain was when my mother died, my children did not really know who she was. Because for those 15 years, uh, what happened, and it's sort of a short story, Dad said, well, I was getting ready to leave and go to Iowa, let him have the church back. He said, I changed my mind. You keep the people, but I'll keep the building. Two years later, the Lord showed me in a dream. He came back, and we went a mile away in the same town. He moved in. Can you imagine having your father in a church you just left? I can. I lived it. I had to find myself in Father God. Are you hearing why I'm talking about identity? I would go visit my father, my mother, and, uh, but they would do the family thing, and we weren't invited because, well, they invited us the first three Sundays after it, but I, my wife was on the edge of nervous breakdown, and it's like to go over and sit down after all of this. And uh, so after that, they didn't invite. And for 15, till my mother died, she never heard me preach again. She would come on special speakers, but the pain was so deep in her, she sort of hid. My father, to my surprise, after she passed away, started visiting my church. My mother was more of a slow cooker. My father, he's like mad, and then he's over, and everybody's he's like happy, like, okay, let's go. So my father got involved, and actually before... He went to be, with he, uh, to be with the Lord. My wife walked him through deliverance. And then he took on the table, he shoved everything to the side, and he said, Dale, now you're free to travel. God's opened it up. I remember when we were engaged in front of my family, he was looking at me. My father looked at me, he had dementia, Alzheimer's, and out of nowhere he said, Dale, Luann, this marriage is of God. You're going to travel around the world. You're going to change many people. God has. He prophesied verbatim about a three-minute prophecy over us twice. And he blessed me. But in my life, actually, I don't know if you've ever had this, but if there was ten things and nine were right and one was wrong, my dad would talk about the wrong. So he'd never celebrate me. He'd always tell me the one thing I should be doing. And so I said one day, I said, God, can you just bring this thing to the end? This is before my father blessed me. I said, would you show me what to do? And he said, well, what do you want from your dad? I said, I really like honor. He said, then why don't you so honor? I said, but dad is so much pain. God, this is so much. I'm talking to God now. Father God, this is so much pain. He said, Think about it. Now, this is the truth. When you honor somebody, it, you cannot stretch the truth. That's flattery. Flattery is meant to manipulate. Honor is meant to bless. Don't ever lie to honor somebody. It's not honor. If I come to, if I come to, to Clay and I say, you know, Clay, you're the most gifted teacher I've ever heard. That's flattery. But if I say to him, you're a gifted teacher, why do I have to make him better? Are you with me? Flattery is you're the best. You know what? There's Sundays he needs help. You have to pray him through. There's Sundays. It's amazing. Why? Because I've heard my own sermons. I was actually in a sermon, and this guy's speaking and speaking. I'm thinking, I can't wait to get out of this thing. I just, it was so terrible. It was, it really, and I don't even know where he was going with it. The only thing I couldn't leave is I was one preaching. Anyway, <laughs> and the thing is, you think it's a joke. Should have been in my shoes. I'm like, God, deliver me. You know, get me out. Can I find a point where I can stop and just quit? It's so terrible. I'm even bored. And uh, <laughs> it's true. So, but, but when the anointing hits and the connection, it just, there's a flow that, that is just amazing. So what I'm saying to you is talking about the pain identity. So as I called my father up and I said this, and I, and I didn't even know what I was going to say. I said, Dad, I want to thank you. You've taught me to love God and to love people. 
And I just, I was before the Lord. I said, Lord, show me. I said, you've influenced my ministry more than anybody else I've ever met. And you created a foundation of honoring God. And I want to thank you for that. After that day, I, I stopped getting negative reports back from my father, father's conversation. But the only reports I got back is your father's so proud of you. The problem was because he was a son of an orphan, he was never celebrated. He did not know how to celebrate me. Some of you have never been celebrated, but today that's going to end. Let me give you this story, and then the last couple of minutes, we're going to actually do this. The two, I have the book on two sons and a father. In it, the older son and the prodigal son were really much the same. They both wanted the same thing, fatherless parties. The younger son threw it for himself. The older son wanted the father to throw it and then leave. The prodigal had to leave the pigs, the famine, the foreigners to come all the way back home, to come to the father. The elder son had to leave his father's fields, his father's abundance, his father's servants. He could not make the journey. He was slaving in his inheritance. The prodigal was not called a prodigal because he asked for his inheritance. He was called a prodigal because of the way he spent it and he did it without the father. Those are the two definitions of a prodigal living and a prodigal means without a father. So what I'm saying to you is the prodigal son, he asked, he received. What did the, what did the father say? Listen, the father wasn't standing outside of his house just looking for the prodigal. He stood outside of his house looking for the elder son. The truth is, the prodigal and the elder are not two different people. It's two different parts of us. I'm the prodigal when I come back and I hug the father and forgiven. I'm the elder son when you come back and I don't approve. Are you hearing me? And so what he says to the elder son... He says, listen, we're in here celebrating. And he says, you never threw me a party. And he says to him, he said, listen, everything I have is yours. Since when? Well, when I gave it to the prodigal, I gave you everything else. But you never asked me for it. You know why? You judged me for blessing your brother. You knew who didn't deserve it. But I blessed him because he asked me. What he did with it wasn't right, but he was right in asking, and I blessed him with it. Because, why? The father has deep pockets, and he's more interested in operating out of principle than to see how this thing will go. That's why he'll bless people that mess up. How many of you have ever been upset with God because he gave somebody a revival, and you were more holy, pure, and ready to go? I... I know it's, it never, I, I have to make this stuff up because it never comes to me in my heart. I just think of other people. I think, what would they think? I know what it is. They're thinking, why would God choose this person when he knew what they would do? You know what God told me one time? He said, I have characters in my church and I have people who have character. And sometimes I can get the characters to get things done for me. People who have character won't. I said, why? He said, they're trying to be better. The other people just do it. And sometimes I need things done. And the damage of them not making it is not as great if they would have never done it. That's why you have a lot of healing miracle ministries that, that go. They think that the anointing approves of their character And they get caught, and the other characters think, well, because I'm approved, I don't do the stuff. Listen, God is a God of action. There are things he needs done. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so now what we want to do is this. I want to break off the orphan spirit off of each of you, but I need all of you to help and be a part of it. Now, this is a deal. What I find is people cannot receive honor unless they've learned how to give it. 
I can honor you one side up and down the other, but you do not have a capacity to receive honor unless you give it. First of all, it starts when we honor God. That's the first place. But I'm going to say this. Sometimes people will honor you. You know what you say? Like last night, oh, that's nothing. I'm nothing. What are you saying? God's nothing. You're nothing. And something happened through nothing. That is such a demonic lie. I want you to say this out loud. I want you to say this. I was created, I was created. to demonstrate his, grateful, his greatness. His, greatness. He's going to use my life to make somebody else believe he exists because what I do will be so far above my pay grade. They'll have to say, where did that come from? Because <laughs> they know it wasn't me. And I'm going to talk about a relationship I have. And I'm going to value who God has made me. I break every religious spirit that says I have to put myself down to be humble. The truth is, I just need to lift him up. That's true humility. Now, I want to give you this. This is what the Lord told me. The reason we beat ourselves down when people compliment us, we have not lifted him up high enough to keep away competition. If you worship him high enough, your headroom is higher because you give him so much glory. You know, last night I left here and I was, I was thanking God for what he did through me as I went home because I did not believe I'm that good, but he is. But he's that good in me. Are you with me? I'm not putting myself down, but I'm giving. This is a deal. Do you believe God's word? Yes. Does it, do you believe it says that he will share his glory with no man? Do you believe that Jesus prayed, the glory I have, give to them? So what do you believe? This is what I believe. This is a question. How much glory can he give you and you still give it back to him without taking it? You were meant to operate off of glory, but don't take it, give it back. How much can God get through you and not blow you up? There's some people we have to get a crowbar after God really uses them. These are to get your head out of the church door. Just a minute. Is that walk here? Just don't touch me. I'm God's apostle. I travel the world. You're just all blessed to be under my anointing. People get weird. I'm telling you. Your flesh, our flesh is collectively flaky. If you hang out between your ears, you will get weird. I don't, you take the most anointed Christian... Put them on a backside of a desert for seven years. You don't know what you're getting back. You need other people to keep you real. My wife really helps me. I help her. How I many of you know? We have a great time together. And, and we don't always agree. There's, there are times she doesn't see what God showed me, but she'll get there. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> and, Please, women, don't leave now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, what I want to do is I want to open up a celebration in the spirit. But this is the deal. Uh, you have to celebrate other people, and you have to be willing to be celebrated. How many of you are ready to enter into that? And then we're going to go on lunch. Okay. So what I want to do is I want everybody that's on this aisle to just come over, stand, and face each other, and 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 until that's shoulder to shoulder. And if you move this over, Clay, and take that out, because what we're going to do, we're going to do a, this is sort of like going to be a five-minute thing that we do. And what I'm going to do is break off of you false humility. I also want you to learn how to celebrate other people. So what we do is, if Josh, if you stand up, you face in. And if you, Clay, stand and face in and just write down... And try to put your legs against the back of the uh, seat so people can walk between. So everybody just do that, that 
they can. And, and, and if you come over, fill in the, the blank areas. And uh, so in other words, if another person can stand there, fill in, because this is a lot of people here. So what I want you guys to do is those of you that can't, and once we get all the way to the back, this is what we're going to do. I, I want you to come this way. And so like right here, Everyone else, you're going to walk through the middle of this. And after you get done, you're going to stand on the other side, either side. But when you go through, I want all you people to clap and shout for them. And you have to take and lift your hands up and celebrate the victory. I want you to go through like this. And you all clap. And you're saying, I receive it. I receive it. When I get here, I get over here, and I'm now going to clap. This is the deal. Most people cannot celebrate. They cannot receive open celebration. I'm breaking that off of you now in Jesus' name. I want you to put your hands up. If you can't put them above your head, put them up like this. Walk through. If you want to give them a high five and hit their hands. But this is the deal. Show me a church that celebrates itself in the Lord, and I'll show you a church that cannot be defeated because the shout of the king is among them. And it's not just him, it's the shout of the king is in me, toward you, toward me, and we're shouting. And it says he will return with a shout. You know what that shout is? It's a celebration of his victory over the earth. It's not, it's his shout of everything. So you people here need to go out this side Come around through here, put on your smile, and I want to break off of you every religious spirit, and I want you to see yourself as a celebrated, what they're doing, the Father's doing seven times louder. And the Lord's looking down saying, they're starting to celebrate each other and not just me. The Bible says, if you love God, who you, you can't see, you can't hate. If I celebrate God, how can I not celebrate you? This is an identity unlocker. Some of you are going to, your identity is going to get unlocked out of a religious spirit. This is almost not Christian in a lot of people's mindset. Okay. Are you with me? Now, how many of you, how many of you know just one more scripture? He what? He sings and shouts for joy over you. Why shouldn't we sing and shout? Why shouldn't we agree with heaven? We've celebrated him, but we've not learned to celebrate each other. And when I celebrate you, I'm celebrating the Jesus in you, but I'm also celebrating his handiwork. Are you ready for this? So you're going to come around, and then you guys are going to come around? Yes. Something the Lord dropped in my spirit. You know, prophetic action, as we know, is a very powerful thing. It's in Scripture, but... Growing up in this environment when we've done this, I find I would do things that made me uncomfortable, weird, you know, whatever. I would do things, and it was like I was forcing myself to do something because, you know, it's like what you can feel, what the guy wants. Yeah. But as I grew in the Lord, I realized that I would do things, and I would ask myself this question. Like, you know, with the, when, that, when you're getting celebrated, I would ask myself, do I actually believe that? You know, do I believe that that celebration is right? Yeah. If you don't, ask the Lord why. Because it is right. Yeah. And this is the deal. How many of you celebrate other people? Then why won't you receive one? And I'm going to tell you this is what the Lord told me. If I don't learn how to receive, if I don't give honor, I won't, learn how, I won't know how to receive it. But also, if I don't receive it to a greater level, I cannot give what I won't receive. Does this make sense to you? So we're going to, and what you may want to do is people get there on the end. You, those of you that can sort of move down, so, because we don't have any place to go. So as, 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 you, as people get on the end, you start shuffling down this way a little bit, let them peel off and come through, or however it's going to work. Maybe, no, I guess, yeah, you just keep shoving this way. I guess that's the way it works. So... All right, now, 
Some of you might need to go through twice to get really healed. Okay? Okay, are you ready? Okay, you celebrators. Now, and I want you to say, let it go deep in your spirit. Don't just think of this. Watch where your spirit is at and your identity. Any place of uncomfort, let the Lord show you a devil and a lie that needs to be broken, a religious spirit. Because I'm telling you, this is the heart of God over the whole earth that doesn't even know him. He died for him. Okay, I'm enough done. Okay, let's go.
Could everyone just now lift your hands up and just worship him? Now, Lord, I thank you for how you've made everyone around me. I thank you for, Lord, the way you've made me. And I say an unlocking of the church as we celebrate each other in you. And, Father, I thank you for this holy moment of life that releases identity into clarity. And I want to just say this to you. When you get alone with God, just you and him, just speak out of your heart. Thank you for the way you've made me. And listen for his celebration. He's singing a song over you. He's singing a song over you from heaven. He said, finally, they're catching the songs of heaven. I'm singing over them. And they're singing the songs of heaven over each other.